This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by Comcast NBC Universal. Since 2011, their Internet Essentials program has connected more than 8 million low income Americans to low cost, high speed internet at home. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. With the closure of K-12 schools, remote learning, and calls for social distance, millions of American students are learning, living, and playing almost exclusively online. Yet there remain critical hurdles to access and adoption of internet solutions for many American households. In this segment, former U.S. Secretary of Education John King Jr. joins the Washington Post to talk about the digital divide. Let's listen. Our final guest this morning has been looking at all aspects of schooling almost his entire professional life, including being the 10th Education Secretary under President Barack Obama. John King is now the President and CEO of the Education Trust. Welcome, Secretary King. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. Uh, Now, Secretary King, you ran the Education Department for President Obama. What should the federal role be in combating the digital divide? Well, look, much like the federal government in the era of the New Deal committed to ensure access to electricity throughout the country, I think today the federal government's role should be to ensure access to internet throughout all of our communities. We need the internet to access education, to access healthcare, to access benefits, to uh, interact in the contemporary world. And so we ought to make sure everyone has that just as we did with the Tennessee Valley Authority during the New Deal period. Can you talk a bit about the federal government uh, being responsible for providing more resource, resources versus uh, then maybe simply assisting states and localities and providing direct assistance? Sure. Well, look, we've got estimates of, of as many 16 million kids who aren't able to access education because they don't have access to the Internet. Uh, we have a moral responsibility to solve that. We have a program, the E-Rate program, which is designed to help get internet access to schools. We could repurpose that program and make a significant investment in that program to make sure that every kid has internet access. In the long run, we also need to do more to make sure we have uh, reliable internet access in rural communities, as you heard about from uh, Congresswoman uh, McMorris earlier. Uh, We also need an effort to to make sure that folks aren't locked out of internet access because of financial barriers. What often happens in high needs urban communities is folks have internet access, but then the cable company says, well, you can't get on the internet because you have an unpaid cable bill. Well, we shouldn't let that unpaid cable bill get in the way of kids being able to access education today. There's a lot of discussion, including from you, about the importance of public-private partnerships in addressing the digital divide. Can you talk a bit about what uh, the business community can do to combat this issue? Sure. Well, the business community could uh, take steps to subsidize uh, internet access. Certainly cable companies are in a position to do that. I think they have a moral responsibility to do that, to, to put in place plans that allow students in both K-12 and higher ed to have internet access. Uh, but the business community can also be an advocacy partner in calling on Congress to step up. The newly revised HEROES Act that's being considered in the House of Representatives actually includes $12 billion for internet access in K-12. We desperately need that. And the truth is we had that need even before COVID. We had a homework gap before COVID and we weren't paying as much attention, but now COVID has laid bare 
the scope of the disparities here, and we have a responsibility to act. We've heard a lot about schools and various needs uh, during this pandemic. You talked about some of them uh, just with that answer to that question. But when you think about the things schools need most uh, to address the digital divide, what comes to mind first? Yeah, uh, well, certainly this issue of internet access, but devices are also crucial. We have kids who are trying to learn right now on their mom's cell phone because they don't have a laptop or iPad. So we also need resources for devices. Uh, the CARES Act, which Congress passed uh, earlier this year, provided some resources that were helpful, uh, but school districts need a lot more. Uh, again, this, this revised version of the HEROES Act includes uh, upwards of $200 billion for education. Uh, that's essential to make sure that school districts can afford to get a device to every student during this period when so many school districts are using a hybrid model or are completely remote. And we know disproportionately it's low-income students and students of color who are in situations where they don't have that device, they aren't able to access education. We've discussed quite a bit uh, how difficult it is for students to learn uh, during a pandemic, but we also know that it's really hard for educators to teach and to instruct uh, during a pandemic. What additional burden does uh, having a digital divide put on those uh, responsible for teaching our kids during a time like this? Yeah, such an important point. I mean, we have teachers who struggle with internet access. Again, particularly in high needs urban and high needs rural communities, we have folks who don't have reliable internet to connect with their students. Uh, we know that there are some school districts where students essentially were missing for the entirety of the spring. Uh, but in Los Angeles Unified School District, uh, only about 60% of students were regularly engaged in online learning. There are thousands of students who didn't interact with their teachers at all during the spring. Their teachers are worried about them. They're worried about their academic well-being. They're worried about their socio-emotional well-being. They're worried about their safety. That's a lot of weight for our educators to carry. Um, we also know that the districts with the least resources often had the hardest time providing good professional development for teachers on how to use the technology effectively to teach their students. Again, it's a reason why we really need Congress to step up with stimulus dollars for school districts so they can provide that professional development to their teachers who are, who are needing to figure out how do I uh, design lessons that are engaging for first graders who are on Zoom, right? That's, that's complicated undertaking. We need to support our teachers in that work. We know that one of the uh, major conversations happening in our society this past summer, uh, and, and since this uh, entire presidency began, it's been about racial inequalities. And can you talk a bit about why minority communities and people of color are hit just so much more uh, harder by the digital divide than perhaps uh, white students in more affluent neighborhoods? Sure, well, we know from uh, the Pew study, even before COVID, about 79% of white families had reliable internet access. 66% of black families, 61% of Latino families. So think of that huge gap in internet access before COVID. And then you had COVID, the disparate health impact on communities of color, the disparate economic impact on communities of color. And so that digital divide has likely grown. I mean, you heard about in, in the video you just showed families who are making the choice between paying the cable bill or paying for groceries. And so that this challenge of racial inequality 
is very much part of the digital divide. It's an extension of the impact of systemic racism on really throughout our society for the last 400 years, but we have a responsibility now to take action to close these divides. Otherwise, we risk having a lost generation of students who will have had the schoolhouse door barred for them because of a lack of access to the internet or to devices. Secretary King, there are some Americans who view owning a laptop or owning cell phones, especially something like an iPhone, as, as a luxury. Um, but we've seen increasingly the idea that internet access is a civil rights issue, uh, something fundamental to the human right experience because of what it can do in terms of addressing issues of healthcare, uh, education, and other uh, areas of access. Can you share your thoughts on the idea that the digital divide is a civil rights issue? Uh, well, there's no question. I mean, if you, if you don't have the internet um, today, you are barred from accessing K-12 education. You're in many cases barred from accessing higher education. Uh, you have a much harder time finding a job because we are advertising today for jobs on the internet. You have a harder time accessing benefits programs that are vital to the safety and well-being of your family. If you don't have the internet, it's harder to be an engaged citizen because so much information is shared on the internet about the issues affecting our country. So it is very much a civil rights issue to say everyone ought to have internet access. And we are the wealthiest country in the world, arguably the wealthiest country that has ever existed in the world. We have the resources to make sure people have the internet. And so when we think about recovery from COVID, we have to think about not just how do we get back to the status quo, the inequitable status quo before COVID, but how do we create a stronger future? And that stronger future ought to include internet access for everyone so that people can participate in the 21st century economy. We know that some of the uh, neighborhoods that have the highest percentage of low-income residents still often have uh, fast food restaurants and other businesses that do actually end up having a broadband or internet access. But those communities still have adoption issues in terms of individuals and families being able to access the internet. Can you explain why that's the case? Sure. Well, you've got a couple of things going on. In some cases, the cable companies have been less willing to invest in high needs urban communities. And so folks don't have reliable high speed internet access. In some cases, you have financial obstacles uh, for folks paying for a cable bill that includes the internet, uh, or you have financial obstacles for homeowners or landlords to uh, putting in appropriate wiring so that folks can access the internet. And you do have these self-help remedies that people are going to a fast food restaurant. Uh, you have school districts who are putting Wi-Fi hotspots on buses and parking them in certain neighborhoods so people can access the internet. But at the end of the day, uh, those remedies are inadequate to the task. We ought to do what's necessary to make sure uh, that kids have the internet. And there are school districts that are doing that. They're investing in hotspots for kids. There are school districts that are even building towers themselves so that they can make sure that there's internet access for their students. Um, but we as a society have a responsibility to our children. McKinsey did a study that suggests that based on the closures in the spring and the hybrid and distance learning models in place this fall, 
we're likely to see at least seven months of learning loss on average for all students, nine months for Latino students, 10 months for African-American students. That's a devastating level of learning loss. We can remedy that if we ensure that we have internet access, that we have device access, that teachers have the professional development and support they need, and that we provide intensive academic intervention for the kids who've fallen behind. And that's the least we can do if we want to protect the long-term health of our economy and our democracy. As you know, we're about five weeks away from an election, and we haven't heard as much about education and specifically public schools uh, as we've heard in perhaps some past election cycles. Uh, based on what you know and what you've been listening to and reading regarding the candidates, President Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden, which one of these men has the best plan to address this digital divide to you? Well, look, the reality is we, we are where we are because of choices that the current administration has made. The current administration could have responded uh, more aggressively to COVID in the first place, so we didn't end up uh, needing to have so many schools uh, doing virtual or um, hybrid learning models this school year, right? Some of our international peers had a more aggressive strategy around testing, contact tracing, uh, mask policies, and so they don't have the rate of community spread that's forcing extended closure of schools that we do. So that's a choice this administration made. We knew in the spring, given the rate of COVID spread, we were likely to see schools relying on hybrid or virtual models this fall, and yet they didn't act. They didn't do the things necessary through the FCC or in, in partnership with Congress to dedicate resources to close the internet gaps. So they, they didn't act on COVID adequately. They didn't act on supporting schools adequately. We haven't seen the infusion of resources that are needed by school districts given the economic crisis and its impact on state budgets. And so schools are at risk of having to cut people in this moment where students have such desperate needs. That was a choice this administration made. Um, so you know, the, the, the question before the American public is, is one of looking at the record, how we got here, and then the plan going forward. It is encouraging, I think, that um, Vice President Biden has talked about uh, the need to make a, a massive investment in our highest needs schools. He's talked about tripling the Title I program. Uh, that would go a long way towards helping uh, to address some of the, the needs in our schools. And certainly he has talked about an investment in infrastructure. Um, we have many candidates in both parties who've talked about investment of in, in infrastructure. The question for the American people, who's, go, who's going to get that done? Uh, but we need an infrastructure investment that includes ensuring broadband access in our rural and high needs urban communities. Uh, we need infrastructure investment that helps us prepare for the consequences of climate change as well. Uh, this is a moment where, again, we need leadership that says it's not good enough to go back to where we were before COVID. Uh, we need something better. Earlier this morning, I had the opportunity to speak with Congresswoman uh, Shalala and Congresswoman McMorris Rogers about this very issue. And an important point they continue to reemphasize is that uh, addressing the digital divide is a bipartisan issue. Uh, people on both sides of the aisle in Congress really need to step up to find solutions to this very real problem. And I was very interested in what you would do or say if you were still 
education secretary in this moment to get Congress to be more aggressive and intentional in responding to this issue? Yeah, I think we, we have to be clear about the stakes, the risk of a lost generation of students. Uh, we have the opportunity through the E-rate program or another mechanism to make a significant investment in K-12 internet access. We should do that urgently. Um, we also need an urgent effort to make sure that we have internet access for our higher education students. We don't want to lose a generation of students there either. Uh, Congresswoman Eshoo and, and Senator Klobuchar have a bill that would focus dollars on higher ed internet access, particularly for our minority serving institutions and historically black colleges and universities, universities that has historically have had fewer resources and are serving higher numbers of low income students. We ought to take those steps so that students can complete their higher education so that they're better ready to compete in the 21st century economy and contribute to our long-term prosperity. And then the, the broader question is, what kind of society do we wanna be? Do we wanna be a society that is true to the principle of equality of opportunity for all? If we do, we have to make sure that every student has access to a high quality education. And that today includes internet access and having a device where you can access your learning. Well, Secretary King, we are so appreciative for you coming on to Post Live today to share your thoughts with us on this very uh, relevant issue. And we look forward to talking to you more in the future. Thanks for hosting a conversation about such an important and urgent topic. Awesome. Take care. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.